Chris Barrow here from the Naked Gaming Podcasting. Thank you for joining us. And we are both big fans of dinosaurs, me and Lee, who present the regular episodes. So we were super excited to hear about a game that's out now, focusing on creating a ranch, a ranch, with the help of your trusty dino pal called Lucky. Uh, now, this game is called Paleo Pines, or Paleo Pines, as a lot of people seem to pronounce it. It's out now on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and Steam. It's about 23 quid. I was playing it on uh, Steam Deck because it's one of those verified games with the green tick and everything. It's a bit like Animal Crossing, but, well, with a lot more dinosaurs, which is only a good thing. I've been catching up with the producer of the game, Aisling McElroy, and Natalia Jagielska, who's a PhD student at the University of Edinburgh, studying the evolution of Jurassic pterosaurs, and she consulted on this game. We'll start off with Aisling, and why did she want to make a game all about dinos? Do you know what? Um, weirdly enough, the... Whenever I joined the team at Italian Pig, Paleo Pines was like at the very, very, very early stages of development. And like, I think we can all agree that at some point in childhood, you've seen a dinosaur film and you probably cried. You probably really enjoyed it. Um, like nobody's like oblivious to dinosaurs. Um, but I was never really like massively into dinosaurs. And then as soon as Paleo Pines started and we started to like design and concept all these different species, I fell in love. I started to have my favourites. I have like I just it's a it's a rabbit hole. You start to fall down. It sure is. And uh, Natalia, I've got to ask you because you might have one of the coolest jobs of all time. Uh, when did you start to to like dinosaurs? Was it from being a kid? Yes, and I am very stereotypical. I have nothing new to add. My I watched Jurassic Park three, the bad one, with my dad <laughs> on like TV, and I grew obsessed with the raptors because like they killed people with the sickle claws. They had this weird feathery things on top of their heads. They barked, and I was obsessed with the raptors. And that's from that point on, I was interested in dinosaurs, especially Velociraptor type. Uh, and you know that's as soon as you say you like something they'll just smother you with things so each time we went to kiosk he got me small dinosaur plastic toys and he got me jurassic park operation genesis as a game and that sort of slowly built as a hobby so i was growing doing out of dinosaur gaming uh being in dinosaurs but i didn't know that can be like a full-time career up until accidentally stumbling across uh, across open day at the university of manchester uh, in air sciences and I didn't know there's like something like a pantology that can be studied locally in Manchester or other world places uh, so uh, I uh, discovered that team in Manchester is actually studying evolution of birds and uh, from movement from dinosaurs to birds using like s- uh, hitting dinosaurs with uh, hyper fast electrons that move at speed of light to get like the chemistry of bones and feathers and I grew fascinated by it, fascinated by it. I felt like I want to do it as my career I, that that was my thing set. The problem is like I didn't come from a very affluent background, and my predicted grades were not that good because I did my GCSEs when I didn't speak English because I'm not a native English speaker. I migrated during uh, secondary school, uh, and I was going to go to like Whistle Group, you know, prestigious uni. So I worked very very hard, got higher grades than they expected, and that's how my career in paleontology started. I also worked as a volunteer at the local Bolton Museum, which was like flying stegosaurid. In, uh, above like the tourist you know merchandise area which is I, I don't get that creative choice because you have such a nice dinosaur but why do you make it float <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, right now I'm finishing my PhD at the University of Edinburgh and I'm actually not studying dinosaurs I'm studying pterosaurs which are not the dinosaurs and there's no pterosaurs in paleopines so <laughs> that's disappointing <laughs> like pterosaur expert working on a dinosaur game that's 
that's weird <laughs> <laughs> that could be an expansion maybe for the future there's always space with video games and things DLC. like that there's always an option there's a, yeah dlc exactly we said it um I, I love the fact that so what happened to you as a kid is what my wife is currently trying to do to our seven month old which is if she assumes that if she just buys him enough dinosaur stuff that he kind of has no choice but to, to love them so he's got like dinosaur <laughs> outfits and he, we just bought him a dinosaur toy and all this so i love the fact that there's some parallels there which is really cool um well come i've got to ask you about the dinosaurs in the game in a sec but um Aisling, I wanted to just come back to you and, and talk about uh, the, the challenges of making a game like this because I was playing it um, uh, for quite a long time actually uh, last night uh, and it's a very relaxing game to play when you start. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, it had feelings of kind of like Animal Crossing I suppose in that sense. Some of the visuals were a bit like that uh, in, in a really nice way, like in a kind of cartoony fun way. Are you aiming this uh, game for sort of younger people who are interested in dinosaurs or is it also for kind of the, the adult audience that really like just sort of hanging out in a world like Animal Crossing? Because I guess you've got two options with, with, with the game there. Yeah, I definitely think you've like nailed it on the head. I think the game, like, it's one of those games, it is a cosy game. It's kind of like a child can play it, but a lot of adults find almost like that peace in those types of games. It's like one of those things where you could just spend hours sinking time into it without even realise you spend that much time in it. Um, I know that whenever we were like, again, back in the early development stages, we were um, talking about like, what are the core pillars of the game and what did we want to achieve with the game? Um, and those pillars were like discovery, obviously dinosaurs, that harmony settler type thing, creating like a fantasy that establishes um, like an emotional connection with a player, I suppose. Um, Nina, our director, always really spoke like constantly brought up this idea of like childhood summers and mm, trying to mm-hmm, bring mm-hmm. in that no- nostalgia to the game that you could spend like your whole day outside really like in this naive safety as a child just exploring your surroundings and being in nature until your mommy like shouts for you to come home (laughs) I suppose but um it was something that everyone on the development team especially could contribute to it was something that we all like even though we all come from all different walks of life so we could all um I guess bounce ideas and like give our experiences to create that sort of I guess nostalgia feeling and that idea of not having anything to worry about back to basics just peace I like that I like that feel of it because dinosaurs can actually be very scary and I know we've already mentioned uh, Jurassic Park 3 which I actually think is one of the the scarier films to be honest there's a lot of you know, ripping and shredding and stuff. So it, it's cool in a way that you've sort of taken the, the the cozier side of dinosaurs and put that into the game. I never felt at any point I was going to be eaten, for example. Whereas, like, <laughs> that's good. Like, but, but, but that's that's an interesting choice, though, isn't it? Because dinosaurs do have that kind of yes. You've got herbiv- You start off with a herbivore, and, and, and you know, I find myself actually genuinely learning. Like I had, I've written this down. Pachycephalosaurus is the is the sort of early early dinosaur that you get and i said to my wife have you heard of this one and she went yeah come on everyone knows about that one I was like, oh, okay great i obviously don't know but but was it was it a choice to kind of choose softer dinosaurs is that the right word um i guess yes and no so when it comes to like the actual design of the dinosaurs our artist jordan bradley um at the very beginning always um had this idea of the dinosaurs would be 
chunky they would be soft they would be round and cute it was always going to be cutesy but whenever we started to look at those more I guess like the carnivores we were like okay we don't want to exclude like a huge population of dinosaurs and how do we um I guess bring that into the game but keeping it that cutesy style so uh, throughout the whole game not only with dinosaurs but like with plants and trees and everything else um anything that's sharp we didn't want to have any sort of pointy edge and I remember being in meetings discussing whether the carnivores should have teeth and what would those teeth look like should they be just like small chunky squares should they just not have teeth should they just not open their mouth um but they needed to stand out they needed to be true to like their themselves their species so um in the game we ended up deciding that the jawline of the carnivores you can see that there is little almost um points but even then those points we rounded them off as much as we could but keeping that silhouette, but just trying to bring like a softer approach to that design, I suppose. It was quite, um, it's really interesting to like kind of go through that process to try and make something that is threatening, non-threatening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yet keep it true enough that it's not going to sort of, you, you're not going to look at a T-Rex and think, hang on a second, that just looks weird because you've you know, that's, you've got such an image of that in your mind. I've got to ask uh, Natalia, when you obviously were asked about sort of consulting on a video game it's it must have been very cool but then you must have had to tackle some of these challenges and also to put in the kind of the, the scientific uh, factual information um you've got to kind of combine that with the gameplay you've got to keep it fun obviously you know because th- there's this whole kind of it, it can get very technical as i'm sure you're well aware it can get really really complex with all the names of the dinosaurs How, what were you asked to do in terms of trying to strike that balance like what were the questions that you were getting on a daily basis like does this dinosaur have this many claws? How many teeth with it? What were you getting asked? I, I was asked how dinosaur poops would look like. So there's some poop, <laughs> which is actually a big thing in the game. And, you know, I live organisms have to, like, remove the waste from the bodies. <laughs> I would, what I like about Paleopines is it sticks true to the discoveries we know and also has other, you know, creative liberties. Like, the biggest aspect of the game is the animals singing and responding to you playing a flute. And of course, like dinosaurs in real life, they are not engaged in agriculture and horticulture. Of course, they could be some digging and dispersing seeds, but definitely not some kind of Indus Valley civilization levels of agriculture. So there's definitely already from the get-go creative liberties. With the main game mechanics of uh, dinosaurs of singing, I sort of did entire lecture of uh, discussing how to integrate things we know about animal vocalization and how to play it, put it into a game. And that comes very, very tricky because something like behavior doesn't really preserve in the fossil record, usually. Sometimes we get trace fossils, but something like animal sounds, that just gets very, very tricky. Most of the sounds are made within our voice boxes, which are usually cartilaginous, or they are not preserved in a bone. So that means they are not likely to be preserved. So by the, by the time I was uh, doing consulting, I was sort of describing that for other things we know about dinosaurs, they probably were not very chirpy and, you know, they could, definitely couldn't sing and follow you with a flute. Uh, we, we can still know a lot about dinosaur, you know, wave frequencies they could pick up or with the hearing capabilities. Like we know T-Rex had very acute eyes to very quiet sounds because its ears or the ear cavities were asymmetrical in its skull. It's something that's also happening in owls. Owls have very asymmetrical uh, ears. One is much higher than the other. And that allows it to pick up very, very fine noises. So each time it's sort of flying in a habitat, it could sort of sense small shrews and mouse moving in the, uh, the, 
you know, the foliage and easily hunt. So it's something like the owls did, you can also spot in T-Rex, and that points like it had to have good hearing for very low-frequency low sounds. Uh, with a lot of things, like uh, the main character we started the game with, he has this big crest, with a lot of uh, people yeah. speculate, it might be used as a big trombone-like element. So reverberating sounds, creating this booming thing, which are sort of uh, projected using CT scanning. Uh, we can also know uh, other things about its inner ears. Each time we put a skull of the animal into the CT scan, all the brain cavities and ear cavities can be excavated, so we can sort of map out the inner and middle ears and tell something of the frequencies the animals can pick up. So we knew quite a lot like about dinosaurs, but not about the voicing of them. But like this March, actually when the game was close to being released, this year, a Japanese team found a voice box within Ankylosaurus. Yes, I remember. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> so Ankylosaurus are like those weird dinosaurs. They have they have this big arm on top of them. They have clubs on the tails. They're like tanks that are moving on four legs. So you see this kind of big animal. I think, oh, it has to make some kind of grubbly, you know, deep sounds. And it turns out the larynx was kind of very flexible, and it maybe could even facilitate the chirping, like high pitched sounds. So the game sort of predicted things which would have not been discovered yet, <laughs> just by accident. So each time you sort of play flute to your like uh, armored dinosaur, remember that might be something they might be doing because there's fossil <laughs> evidence to prove that. <laughs> so that was the biggest thing, and I'm glad like the game was ahead of its time by being creative to actual discoveries that came. <laughs> That's a good. So you have to buy the game if you want to, you know, what's going to be in there that might also turn out to be true. That's for sure. Um, I just wanted to ask you both just a final question as well. I'll start with uh, Aisling and I'll come to you, Natalia. But what, what do you hope that people will take away uh, from this game? Because I was finding myself learning and I have a sort of a, a moderate interest in dinosaurs. And I was thinking, oh, that's a new type of dinosaur I didn't know about. I wonder if they do that kind of behavior. And now and I know, obviously, you've been consulting an expert. So so I believe that a lot of the stuff there is, is more likely to be accurate. Um, but do you hope that people kind of take the interest on or just sit and live in that world in the game or what's the kind of the dream player for you oh god that's a that's a tough question um i think we've been very very lucky um like throughout the development of billy pines to have such a great community like the paleo community following us along um like literally since the first sketch of this idea and we also have another element of our community that is that cosy gamer that just wants to escape. Um, me personally, what I hope people get from it is whenever you've got a really stressful day and you just want to escape, that Paleo Pines is there for you. Do you know what I mean? I think like there is a lot of learning opportunities. Like I said, I never knew as much about dinos until I started working on this project. Um, I'm still by no means an expert. I still can't pronounce half their names, but um, I, can, I know what they are when I look at them. Um, so if you learn something, amazing. If you get some sort of escape, amazing. Um, I think like, I can say from all of the development team that we're really proud of what we've achieved and I really hope that we can just keep creating content for it as well and just build upon that and like every time like obviously within paleontology there's more and more discoveries and like even in our game I'm pretty sure there's parts of our dinosaurs that like are not scientifically correct anymore and because of new discoveries that have happened while in development. Um, so I think it's something that we definitely want to build upon with that learning aspect. Um, but yeah, 
I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like I went on of a... <laughs> no, no, I just wondered if, um, Natalia, you wished you'd had this game as a kid. But then again, you probably would have been bought it by your parents anyway. If they got you all the toys, they would have said, here you go, you're playing that as well. But it's, it's kind of the same question to you. Like, what what do you hope people take away? Because the accuracy, I guess, is, is quite a cool thing, which you don't always get with games that are you know based uh, around certain topics, for example. Yes, I mean, video games are great access points to a lot of sciences, to be honest. Unlike museums or education, they're not as class-stratified, so anybody can access them. And, like, I entered my fascination of paleontology from Jurassic Park 3 and then Jurassic Park games. Slightly less nice and sort of calming as paleopines with a lot of ripping of visitors apart. Very different vibe of park <laughs> building. Uh, but that's how I entered. And it's not like conventional way of entering things. So, like, right, with having diversity of representation of paleontology or dinosaurs, it's diversity of people that we are reaching. So, uh, if it's going to reach new audiences that might previously haven't, that have not been previously interested in dinosaurs because they read them as scary creatures talking for boys so it's slightly different perspective and there's such a variety of different species the representation of them is so nice i'm happy there's a lot of carnivores and theropods that are fully favored which is still a controversial thing in the media so other people will enter and realize oh those dancers look adorable i want to study them i want to know more about them and the more entry points we have the better it is because that we attract more people from different walks of life and different demographics which is something very important for all sciences and I can also that because some people I get angry because there's like rainbow colored dinosaurs. It's science. There's some dinosaurs like Microraptor. It was actually was rainbowy. Uh, maybe not rainbowy, but iridescent. We have like a melon that's sort of stuck on top of each other. So we know those five very small dinosaurs had very, very shiny, colorful uh, wings and feathers. So when people start getting angry, like that's not scientific and start reading and think, okay, I didn't know there was actually fact and we have actual science and some microscopy and chemical traces that prove things we are seeing in this game. Well, that's all she wrote. Thanks to Aisling McElroy and Natalia Jagielska. Do stay subscribed to the pod. You won't miss a single episode. But for now, thanks for tuning in. (laughs) 